It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the, the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Rock. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are Taking you home on a Thursday from the 1380 Studios here on the south side of Fort Wayne. It's your time for your daily sports six from four to six here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. It's the Sports Rush alongside Adam Lundy. I'm the coach, Shannon Griffith. Welcome to the show today. Going to be a great first hour. Going to have Jeremiah Johnson on from the Pacers pre- and post-game host, as well as their sideline reporter. And Jeremiah and I go back, and we'll talk a little bit about that from his days at Ball State. Then Rob Blackman, the radio voice of the Purdue Boilermakers, will come on to talk a little bit about Purdue's win last night over the Nittany Lions and set up or should I say a look ahead to the game versus the Hoosiers on Saturday down in Bloomington at Assembly Hall. Welcome. Sit back, relax for the next couple hours. We'll get you covered on all things sports here on the Sports Rush. Last night, man, Purdue, at first, I thought Nittany, the Nittany Lions did a, did a great job of defending Zach Eady last night. And I think they did a great job because they were only down six at half in that ball game. And uh, they did a good job of really controlling that. They pressured the guards, the young freshman guards for Purdue. Did a good job of that. But Mason Gillis, what a night that young man had. Sets a three-point record at Mackey. Has 29 points, and I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, I do believe he was something like 9 of 12 from three-point range, 10 of 14 from the floor, three rebounds, and ha- and of course the 29 points that we just that I just mentioned. His game last night was a career game, I'm assuming for the young man, but he looked dynamite. Uh, the Nittany Lions held close. But in the end, the Boilers pulled away late in the, uh, there in the second half to get the 80-60 to 60 win to keep the number one seed probably heading into the weekend, of course. And um, it really sets the floor for Saturday at Assembly Hall, Adam. Yeah, it certainly does. I'm uh, looking forward to that matchup. Uh, I think that Penn State went in with a, a good plan to take take uh, take away Zach Eady and his scoring, but uh, and like you said, they they were in and they were in the game until the until halftime. But then the second half started and uh, yeah, Purdue just started lighting it up from the from the three point range there with Mason Gillis uh, seemingly unable to miss there in the second mm-hmm. half, and Purdue just uh, 
pulled away. And uh, we were talking a little bit before the show started. That's really what uh, Purdue needs to be able to ha- have happen uh, when uh, teams uh, are able to make uh, eating yeah. less effective. Well, you're going to find that um, teams are going to take what other teams have done and try to mimic some of those things to minimize his impact. Because if he, Zach gets the ball in the paint, it's over. I mean, it's you might as well just forget it because he's too strong inside. But I, I guarantee you, you're going to see teams play the zone, pressure the guards, try to create turnovers. And when the ball gets kicked down, they're either going to try to deny the ball getting inside to him or when the ball does get there, they're just really going to be on top of him, collapsing around him and not allowing him to get that, you know, pivot in the paint where he can just kind of lay it up and in or do his patented hook shot there uh, from the uh, inside the paint because when he does that, he's, you know, he's unstoppable. I mean, he's such a phenomenal player and he has height and size and the things that you can't really coach and um, teams are going to have to figure out how to, defend it and they did for the most part but mason gillis said not so fast and i'll throw in 29 from the outside and they just kind of lit it up and but we're going to have rob blackman on and we'll get his take on that as well the radio voice of the boilermakers he'll be joining us here within the first hour um looking forward to that conversation how about the uh colts now adding a eighth person to a second interview on top of them also announcing, or there has been rumors that have been, of course, confirmed by Rappaport or any of those guys that really are on the beat with it, that they are considering doing a third round of interviews. Now, I don't know if this is a stall tactic that they ultimately say, hey, there's nobody left to hire, so we have to hire just Saturday, or there's just so much... Um, confusion within this search that there's not everybody on the same page when it comes to their candidates. Not a, I guess you could say, a consistent uh, consistent favorite in the room that doesn't uh, have the name Jeff Saturday. I, I, I don't know. It's it, To me, it's really, it's, I don't know what the word is. Um, I get the due diligence part. And I get the understanding that this is a huge hire for the Colts. But I'm just not sure you need all these different interviews with these uh, candidates, um, especially when the biggest uh, flavor of the candidates is a defensive coordinator. Your thoughts? Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, it's certainly an interesting process that they're going through, and, and they have brought in a couple offensive-minded guys, a couple offensive coaches from other teams. But uh, and on, honestly, I would favor one of those guys. But and honestly, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if this is just making them making it look like they're doing their due diligence before hiring Jeff Saturday. Well, right. I mean, that's kind of. I think all of us have that mindset that that is kind of the way that we believe. Ursay is leaning, um, but we don't know for a fact on that. Um, it's in, it's just the dynamic is that I like I said the due diligence and all I get that, but the two favorites in my opinion is Callahan and uh, is it Shurkin from the Eagles? I can, he's the offensive coordinator. They did lock him up for his second 
interview, which I think would be a good Shane uh, Steichen. Steichen, I'm sorry. Uh, Steichen would be the uh, another candidate that, like Callahan, if the you know the Colts will have uh, a fallback position if Callahan would happen to go to Arizona, you know, because if Arizona is interviewing him first and the Colts are thinking about doing a third round, he may just say, I'm, I'm good here. And then they lose that, that potential, but all said, said and done, we'll see what all happens with that. It's just kind of becoming as the world turns in some respects with, with that. Yeah. But uh, we'll see what all happens with that. How about the big news in college football? Tommy Reese emerging as the potential new offensive coordinator for Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Him and uh, Saban did a quick Zoom interview, I guess, between uh, yesterday and the signing date, from my understanding. And it looks as he is now the odds-on favorite. And I wouldn't be surprised if the negotiations haven't already started. That would be a big get uh, for Alabama. And I'd be, I think it would hurt Purdue in that respect. I mean, Purdue, the Irish um, losing uh, Tommy Reese. But there's one thing that Notre Dame may not be able to compete with is what Alabama may be able to pay him as well as him going to work for, I guess you call him the godfather of college football, Nick Saban, and the number of people that have gone into those coordinator positions there that have gone on to become big-time head coaches, not just mid-level head coaches, big-time head coaches. So a possibility there with Tommy Reese leaving Notre Dame for Alabama. We'll wait and see on that as as that is a developing situation. Now, he turned down to go to LSU as the OC with uh, Brian Kelly when Kelly left Notre Dame. I don't know if the two are equal in in uh, value when you look at Alabama LSU, but to me, Nick Saban, offensive coordinator, it's a tough, tough thing for Notre Dame to even try to overcome. But good news for Marcus Freeman is the Notre Dame recruiting class with yesterday's national signing date, they have a ranking of number two in the country behind none other than Georgia. So the Fighting Irish really closed strong in the recruiting trail. And via article that I was reading, they had them a number two rank behind Georgia, which would be a huge, huge accomplishment for Marcus Freeman and the Fighting Irish Locally, the Cougars of uh, St. Francis, they signed 55, <laughs> 55 uh, football signees yesterday. It did have a local flavor as 18 of that 55 were right here from the Summit City with a couple of transfers. Uh, one transfer that I... that. I think will be a great addition to the program from Western Illinois, Carson Clark. The lefties back in town, the Bishop Lewis product is coming back to St. Francis. I think that will be a uh, huge benefit to the Cougars. And then 
Aiden Dennis was uh, Dennis has come back from the University of Indiana, and he was a good little running back. Played his last year at Bishop Lures, signed with the University of Indianapolis, and he's on his way back. But the other big one is Langston Level, the running back from Snyder High School. Uh, that's a huge get uh, because Langston brings an element of size and strength to a potential running attack that will feature his ability not only to bang it up in there for four or five yards, but somewhat decent speed to get him out on the perimeter. But those are some of the big things for St. Francis this year. 55 coming in, 18 from the Fort Wayne area, as Coach Kevin Donnelly usually does, dominates the Fort Wayne area with recruits and those recruits finding that St. Francis being a home. And, Adam, I don't – I mean – What's your take on that? Do you like the fact that the kids are in proximity to home, that they can, you know, uh, mitigate costs, you know, live at home, get a scholarship, all those things that we hear about right now? Or should kids really look to branch out and get out from home and go to a school that's maybe an hour, two hours, three hours away? Well, I think it's an individual situation, but I certainly think that, um, you know, whatever's best for the individual player, too, I mean, you know, if you think that you can, you know, go away to another school perhaps and, and, and have a good experience there, then that, that's certainly an option. But I think the fact that you are, that they can, if they want to, can choose to stay in town, mm-hmm. play at a good university, play in, in, in a very, uh, you know, accredited program oh, at yeah. St. Francis. It's a great program. And I, I think that's super great that they have the option to do so and save the money on, on yeah. all those things. So, I, you know, be, I think I think it's good that they can do that, and mm-hmm. I think it's good that they also have the option to go sure. play somewhere else. Well, when you look at these institutions now, St. Francis is not going to offer a recruit a full scholarship that covers tuition, room, and board. They can offer scholarships up to the cost of tuition, and then the kids are are somewhat responsible for room and board. But with today's cost of education, and a kid wants to go on to the next level and compete, and they're from this area, there's no better place to go but St. Francis in that regard because it's going to enable to minimize cost for moms and dads. It's going to give a kid the opportunity to go compete with a nationally – a national recognized program in the St. Francis Cougars. And like you said, if another opportunity arises where a kid can get outside the city of Fort Wayne and display his talents, more power to him. One of those being a first-year player at Homestead yesterday, Grant Leeper, signed with, I call it tight end you, Iowa Hawkeyes. So congratulations to Grant Leeper. He had a number of Power 5 offers. First-year player coming out for football, walked into the season with nothing. Got better. You see, the he's got huge upside. That's what he's being recruited on is his huge upside. But he got better as the year went on, and uh, Coach Ferentz, don't underestimate the ability of the Hawkeyes to take a kid like that and make him a player, whether it be a tight end or if he gets big enough, who knows, he may become a tackle and uh, – all the athletic ability that he has, you find out that he's getting into the NFL. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's certainly, certainly possible at Iowa there. Yep. Big big matchup for the Dons tonight. Mr. Brett Rupp will have that call tonight against Oakland, 645 here on 1380 The Fan. Big time for the Dons. Um, they won their first meeting against Oakland in yeah. a rather exciting fashion. Was kinda. a good one. 
uh, it was a good game. Uh, the Dons are right at 500 in the Horizon League. And uh, But tonight, Brett Rump will have the call at 645 right here on 1380 The Fan. And the Lady Dons look to take on Youngstown State at 7 p.m. out at the Gate Sports Center. So uh, the Dons of Fort Wayne, both men's and women's, playing this evening. And then, of course, we've got the big weekend coming up with the girls' sectionals starting tomorrow night. From Huntington, you've got Homestead versus Wayne that we will have right here on 1380 The Fan. Yep, that's coming up tomorrow night. Yep, as well. And then on Saturday, the Class 3A sectional. You got it. Uh, will be on at 7.30 for that game. But, you know, big weekend. Comets tomorrow night. Then you've got the Purdue-Indiana game. Plus, Purdue-Fort Wayne-Detroit Mercy that afternoon. Yeah, 12, sat- Saturday afternoon. they got another one up there yeah. in the uh, Detroit metro area. So, I mean... A plenty of sporting activities over the next 20, you know, 24, 36 hours, if the way you look at it. And uh, it's going to be a great weekend. How about some uh, today's top headlines? All right, today's top sports headlines for you here. Shannon Pacers star Tyrese Halliburton is expected to return tonight for Indiana against the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron James, with his ankle, is questionable for tonight's game. He's just 89 points away from passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record. Some Philadelphia-area schools are making accommodations in the lead-up to the Super Bowl between the Eagles and Chiefs. According to ABC in Philadelphia, the Gloucester School District in New Jersey will delay classes by two hours on Monday, February 13th, the day after the Super Bowl. I like it. You like it? Yeah. Phoenix Sun star Devin Booker, sidelined for the past five weeks because of a left groin strain, could return as soon as Tuesday against the Brooklyn Nets. And one more above the trade deadline, teams around the league are playing close attention to Toronto Raptors and the availability of forward OG Ananobi. If the Raptors are willing to put OG on the trade block, I believe conservatively there could be six or seven different teams, a lot of them title contenders, who are willing to put in a significant offer for him. That's from Brian Windhorst. And those are your top stories today, Shannon. Thank you so much, Adam. And I do like the two-hour delay. I wish, like that, that? I wish that was available back in the day, but it's not. So, But congratulations for them to be thinking logically. Thinking logically, I love it. Yeah, well, think of the parents that get to... <laughs> <laughs> well, moms and dads are probably wishing for a two-hour delay to work anyway, because that's always the debate. Should we make the Super Bowl a national holiday slash uh, the day after being an observance day of the winner of the Super Bowl? Well, we're going to get Jeremiah Johnson here on the hotline to come on here in a few minutes. But before we do that, we're going to step away, get in our first break here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. This is Purdue Fort Wayne men's basketball coach John Call, and you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Go Dons! Welcome back to the Sports Rush here on Thursday afternoon. Alongside Adam Lundy, I'm the coach Shannon Griffith. Now our next guest and I have a personal I guess, pass together. When I was a part of Ball State football back in 1996, this young man came to Ball State and did a many a great things. And he's gone on his professional career and done even better for himself. And I've kind of watched him from afar. But now joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline 
is the Pacers pre- and post-game host, plus their sideline reporter, Jeremiah Johnson. Welcome to the show, J.J. Coach, it's great to hear from you. What a, what a blast from the past here. <laughs> yeah, I didn't scare you. That Oh, my gosh, this guy's doing radio now? What the heck? <laughs> well, I knew you were doing it, and I'm glad that you're on and your your voice is amplified because you can you can back up what I say to people when I say that I was a, a fifth-string quarterback at one time in Division <laughs> One, and it adds some validity to what I say with you're, a microphone. Absolutely. Yeah, you can always <laughs> count on me to give you that stamp of approval. <laughs> Big one, and t- even for even for a couple of weeks, I think I was third string because red shirts were uh, yeah. were added to a couple of people. So I I can say one time I was a third string quarterback. Well, you did very well for yourself in college, and you went on to follow your dreams of being involved with the world of sports, and you've done a tremendous job. And like I said, I followed you from the far, but enough of us. How about these Pacers and uh, Lakers tonight getting Halliburton back? Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah, that's the plan. I mean, everything uh, still has to, to go well today in the pregame warm-ups and the shoot-arounds. He's still officially listed as questionable. But Rick Carlisle said yesterday that he, he's expecting him to play. No real word on minutes restriction, but it really felt like after watching the last couple of days of practice that he was doing everything he did prior to the injury. He was wearing an elbow brace, and the elbow is really the problem right now that he was working on over the last week or two. I was concerned when I saw him get injured at Madison Square Garden when he walked out on crutches and or, or one crutch, I should say. And you're a little worried about the knee, but that was that was dispelled pretty quickly. So there, it does feel a little bit like opening night because there's always a lot of excitement on opening night. There's excitement with LeBron in town whenever he comes to Indianapolis. And now that Tyree Talliburton is back and only 30 games remain. Uh, there is a little bit of sense of urgency as well with this team right now. Well, correct. And I, I'm not sure, but I, <clears throat> is LeBron also a question mark tonight, possibly, with an ankle? Yeah, I haven't okay. heard anything that he won't play, but he was still listed as questionable as well. Okay. So a lot could change in the next couple of hours. <laughs> We've got one pre-game, pre-game show planned with, with Tyrese Halliburton and LeBron James playing, and I guess things could change, and we'll find that out in the next hour. Well, so. you, you adapt, adjust, and improvise. That's what you have exactly. to do, right? Hey, uh, yep. what's your thoughts now that Miles Turner is locked up? Kind of give me your thoughts. It, you know, I know that there was so much speculation before the year, and, you know, was he going to be traded? Was he not? And now that he's signed this contract, kind of an interesting signing of a contract to, to, to the way they've uh, orchestrated it. But what's your thoughts now that he's kind of locked up at Indianapolis? Well, the thing is, you wondered at the beginning of the season if his timeline would match up the rebuild of the organization. And that's because he's in his eighth NBA season, but he's still only 26 years old. And so he still, to me, has a number of really good years. And with the Pacers maybe accelerating their rebuild a little bit, it does feel like they're going to be better sooner rather than later, that it does fit with Miles a little bit better than maybe you thought in October. I listened to all the rumors, and it was tough to really – get a read at the beginning of the season of how long Miles would be here. Even some of the things that he said himself made us wonder, you know, where, what, how long he would be in a Pacers uniform. But what I just said, along with the fact that he's played so well with Tyrese Halliburton, and he's played the best basketball of his career while getting the chance to, to be the five, to not split time with DeMontis Sabonis, all those factors make me feel really good about the next couple of seasons. And when the season started, you're, you were just thinking about trying to get better and build for the future. Now they are better this season, I think, than many thought. But 
you're really looking at the next two seasons to get as many good pieces as you can and make a real run next season and the season after. And if that's what you're going to do, it's great to have Miles Turner as your center, knowing what he's able to do on both ends of the floor. They don't just make seven-footers that can block shots among the best in the league and, and knock down threes from 40% like he's doing this season. You don't find those every day. So you've got one. They've got him locked up now for another couple of seasons, and it really does seem like he's enjoying being around this team and, and playing with Tyrese Halliburton and company. Yeah, I, I could, I can kind of sense that as well. It seems like he has a little bit of a better positive outlook. I think Carlisle has something to do with that just because I think he – what he gets out of his players, I should say. I think he does a phenomenal job getting the most out of them. Now, the Lakers come into town. Interesting records, 24 and 28 for both of them, which is kind of uh, uh, an interesting side note. Uh, they met back in November. Pacers won that one, 116 to 115. And now the Lakers, that they cannot have uh, Miles Turner now because that was where one of the rumors was him going to. Uh, what, what do you see for tonight in terms of this matchup for the, for the uh, Pacers? Because they really need to get off this three-game losing streak and uh, get some things going back in the right way. Yeah, I think that you have to be a little careful in just automatically thinking that Halliburton plays and everything goes back to to the way it was before. I mean, you know from your days coaching, obviously there are important positions, but if somebody is injured, there is a reacclimation process, and everyone else still has to play their part. And what you hope is that the players that had a bigger role over the last couple of weeks can then take advantage of that experience and then continue to play better with Halliburton. With only 30 games remaining and the Pacers four games under five hundred. They need to get some wins. Uh, it's, it gets uh, it gets late quickly in the NBA once you get to early February. And for the Lakers, all the attention will be on LeBron and his quest to pass Kareem. I think he needs 90 points to break the record. I don't anticipate that happening tonight. But from a team perspective, they're in a similar situation with the Pacers, and I would say with much more sense of urgency because they did not enter this season thinking they were going to be a rebuilding team they wanted to contend for a championship and they just haven't been able to do that and so um on the home court i think the pacers can compete with anyone they've played really well at home this season they struggled on the road they did win that game in los angeles against the lakers so they already know they can compete with and and beat those guys i I just think it'll be a really good atmosphere but of this the next three games the pacers have lakers tonight kings tomorrow and then late sunday afternoon against the Cavs. It really would behoove them to get two out of the next three and then go into next week where then you'd have just five games before the break and you'd feel good about your chances to get back in the mix in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, most definitely. And you're right there. If they can get themselves a little bit on a roll, uh, good things can happen. I think they've proven that a little bit without Halliburton and and, and relying on other uh, of their top four or five guys to get get some of the scoring done without him in the lineup. Hey, before we let you go here, I, I know this kind of came out this week, Bally Sports and the situation and how that may or may not impact the Pacers looking forward. What what do you know about that scenario, and how does that may or may not impact us uh, looking towards the future? Um, don't really know a lot. What I will say is that Bally broadcasts, uh, 17 or 18 of the 30 teams. So it's not it's not a situation that's unique to the Pacers. And uh, the games are always they're they're still going to be on television. And I think the league uh, is in their best interest to make sure that uh, you know the games are on the air and right. they make money from broadcasting the games. And so a lot of what comes out sometimes it's just like trade rumors. Sometimes it's negotiating ploys 
from one side or the other. So, uh, you know, I broadcast for Bally. I work for them. I have to uh, I work for the Pacers as well. So it hits me a little bit personally, but uh, nothing really that I would expect to change anything from a Pacers perspective. Well, that's why I was asking, because I couldn't quite sure. I figured you were a part of the Bally sports uh, uh, team and everything that goes with that as well as the Pacers. But we'll wait and see. Good luck tonight, JJ. We'll probably catch you on TV after I get off here, head home and pick up the Pacers game on uh, on Bally. And uh, continue the good work, young man. You've done a great job. All right. I appreciate it. Uh, enjoy Enjoy you getting in the media side of things. It must have been all that Ball State exposure to the TCOM department helped you out over the years. Yeah, I would have qualified for the Dave, uh, uh, Mr. Dave scholarship of 2.0 of an average student back in the day. <laughs> but for, we'll have that talk another time. I'll give okay. you some more of my secrets away. Hey, JJ, okay. thanks so much. That's Jeremiah Johnson joining us from Valley Sports. He is the Pacers pre- and post-game host as well as sideline reporter. Good talking to JJ, but we're going to step aside. We'll be right back here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Back here on a Thursday edition of the Sports Rush here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Just finished up with Jeremiah Johnson with the Pacers, and uh, it was good to talk to the young man because he was a player, played for me at Ball State his freshman year when I was the quarterback coach, but I want to talk basketball. Let's continue with basketball. Last night, the Boilers handed the Nittany Lions an 80-60 loss at Mackey Arena. And joining us now on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline is no other than the voice of the Boilers, Mr. Rob Blackman. Rob, welcome back. Hi, Shannon. How are you? Well, I'm doing well, and it's uh, a sunny day up here in Fort Wayne in the sun, blue skies. And, you know, it's a great day, as the people in West Lafayette say, good day to be a boiler. <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, been really kind of a good year to be a boiler. That's right. In a lot of different ways. Uh, uh, let's hope that continues here for a couple more months. But, yeah, just... Uh, Another impressive win last night for Purdue against a team that, uh, you know, Penn State, I thought, had a pretty good game plan for us early. Uh, really were sagging off in that 2-3 zone, trying to avoid getting the ball into Zach Eady and making some guys make some jump shots and uh, that normally haven't made them, uh, Ethan Morton included. Uh, I know we'll probably end up talking a lot about Mason Gillis as well we should, but the fact that Ethan Morton made that early three-pointer, I think, really kind of helped uh, loosen that zone up a little bit, so... Yeah, really fun uh, fun win last night at Mackey Arena, and, and hope it continues. Well, you brought it up. I thought uh, uh, Penn State was very, uh, I guess, uh, aggressive in their play last night in terms of turning up the intensity. I thought they pressured Purdue's young guards at times and then, of course, got in that 2-3 zone and then did a pretty good job of trying to deny the ball inside and forcing those outside shots. But I think something last night, came to fruition for Purdue. You had somebody other than their top guy, like Mason Gillis, throwing in 29 points, 9 to 12 from three-point range. What a night that kid had. Yeah, it was good to see. You know, Mason last year was actually one of our better three-point shooters on a percentage scale. Uh, didn't take a lot of threes. Uh, was certainly pretty judicious in his decision to take threes, but, but was a good shooter from three when he shot the ball. And... Um, and this year, that that was not the case. Not until last night, anyway. He was twenty eight percent from three in the in the Big Ten games uh, this year, and and really had been laboring with a shot. But uh, man, that uh, yeah. that is not the case. Last night, as you said, 
uh, 9 of 12 from the three-point line. And the great irony, of course, is he had the free throw late on the one-and-one that would have given him 30 points. Uh, and he is Purdue's best free throw shooter at 86%. And, of course, he misses the free throw. So uh, go, fi- go figure. One of your worst three-point shooters on the season can't miss from three. And your best free throw shooter on the season misses the front end of a one and one to give him thirty points. So, <laughs> well, kind of a crazy night in that particular in- instance as far as percentages go. But just really happy for him. You know, he had a rough start to the season, had mm-hmm. the early back injury that sidelined him for three games. And you always wonder how guys, especially guys that can shoot the ball well, how they'll come back from a back injury. Uh, but he has obviously uh, rehabbed that thing back to one hundred percent and. I can tell you this, uh, Shannon, if, if he can continue to shoot the ball like that, and I'm not talking nine for 12, that's probably mm-hmm. a one, one, once-a-year thing. But boy, if he can come in and, and consistently knock down three or four threes a game the rest of the season, uh, Purdue's going to be really tough to beat. Well, that's exactly right. And you, you talk about ball distribution in that respect. And, you know, look, Zach, if the ball gets inside to the young the young man in the paint, forget it. I mean, I watched Michigan yeah. State, and they're kind of just some of their body language when he got the ball inside was like, forget it, he's got points, you know. But they, you know, but when you have a team like Penn State that has a little bit of familiarity to Purdue, uh, that uh, did what they did. Now Purdue's going to face that until they can prove, you know, just kind of what they did last night because at half it was a six-point ball game. And yeah. and it was a scrappy first half, uh, and Penn State really, I was impressed with them last night just from the standpoint of how they approached that game and, and then only being down at six at half. Well, you knew Mikey Shrewsbury was going to have a great plan for Purdue because, <laughs> yeah. uh, of course, he should, obviously, with his familiarity with not only Coach Painter, but most of the personnel that was on the floor for Purdue. So he knows all those guys, and he understands their strengths and weaknesses um, but let's all be honest here. No matter how, how great of a game plan you put together, no matter how great of a coach you are at X's and O's, which Mike Shrewsbury is a great coach at those things, at the end of the day, if one team has a, a guy that's 7'4", 295 pounds, and skilled with both hands, uh, and you don't, <laughs> you can, you can right. scheme all you want. You just don't. Uh, and I've heard a lot of coaches talk about that, Shannon, this year in their post-game press conferences after they play Purdue. They're like, you know, Look, you feel like going into the game, you have a pretty good plan, uh, but then, then you know, then you actually physically see Zach Eady and try to compete against him, and you're like, well, you know what? It looked good on paper, but this thing isn't going to work tonight. And, and he's yes. uh, Penn State isn't the only team Zach has done that to. He has done that to a number of teams this year. It's just, it's just hard to prep for a guy that size, oh. that skilled, because you don't see it every day. You don't. You obviously don't have one of those guys on your roster that you can use as a practice guy. Um, no one does. So. That's the beauty of having a Zach Eady, and then Purdue's certainly not going to apologize for having Zach Eady. Matt, Matt Painter has said numerous times, um, hey, I, I recruited him, so uh, you know what? If you want a guy like Zach, go recruit him. Go, go recruit one yourself. That's, um, that's absolutely <laughs> right. It's all fair, yeah. fair uh, outside the recruiting wars to get a guy like that, but it's hard to – you cannot coach uh, – seven footers <laughs> in terms yeah. of, of some right. of those things. But, you know, here's another thing that impressed me last night uh, about Purdue first half, you know, they were 33% from three point 33% from the foul line. Now they only had three attempts in that first half, but in the second half, they were 60, almost 61% from the floor 
uh, almost 62% from three-point lane, and they were 81.82%, 9 of 11 from the foul line in that second half. And I think right there is the ball game. Yeah, I ended up 10 of 14 uh, from the foul line. Yes. Uh, I think ended up 42%, I think, from three. Just some incredible numbers, which, um, I mean, look, if we're all being very honest here, if Purdue can surround Zach Eady with 42% shooting from three as a team, uh, they have a chance to do something really special. Um, because you have to take one one thing away, whether it's the three-point shooting or Zach Eady, but you have to make a decision which one you're going to take away defensively. Uh, but you certainly can't give both, and that's what happened last night. Mm-hmm. Penn State ended up giving both. Zach had a double-double, 18 and 13, I think it was, and then Purdue shot 42% from three. So that's when, as an opponent, you're really double whammied. Um, mm-hmm. you got you got to take one of the two away. But that is the thing. If Again, Purdue's three-point shooting, when the season started, Matt Painter thought this was going to be a very, very good three-point shooting team. That was not the case 15 games into the season. As a matter of fact, right. it was a poor three-point shooting team but in these last five six seven games uh purdue has started to turn the corner and become the three-point shooting team that, that matt painter thought they were going to be uh so if they can continue to do that man uh, offensively I'm, I'm not sure how you scheme for purdue they're just uh i'm talking about purdue on offense i, I mean right. seven foot four guy as good as he is in a post and zach Eady. And then a team that shoots at forty-two percent or better from three—that I mean, I would hate to be a defensive coordinator because that would be a nightmare of a game plan to try to put together. Yeah, like in my world, if, uh, as a college football coach at one time, I would just say blitz them, but you can't blitz them in basketball. So, right, right, <laughs> you, uh, you know, that's a that's another another discussion. But you're absolutely right; it makes it tough to come up with a game plan that can take all the variables into account. And, um, you know, it would take a Purdue to have a, a bad night. I mean, all the way around. Yeah. And I just don't think that's going to happen. But here we go. We got the big one coming up this Saturday. Uh, Purdue's traveling over to Bloomington to take on the Indiana Hoosiers. Now, the Hoosiers uh, lost there at Maryland the other night, which is probably one of the toughest places to play in the Big Ten in terms of atmosphere, in my opinion. What do you kind of say, think right now going into this game uh, with the Purdue uh, faithful, the kids and everything, do they look at Indiana and say, hey, we, we got another Penn State on our hands or Michigan State on our hands, or do they look at it and say, these guys are potentially scary with what they could put out in floor against us? Oh, without question. They're, this is a scary group that Indiana has. I mean, let's just let's cut to the chase. We, preseason, they were predicted to be the best team in a Big Ten, uh, and there's a reason for that because of all the talent they have on that roster. Now, Obviously, with uh, with Xavier being out, Xavier Johnson, uh, that affects them a little bit at the point guard position. There's no doubt about that. But the fact of the matter is, they still have plenty of talent. You don't, you're not named preseason Big Ten champion uh, going into the year if you don't have a ton of talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the great thing about this game, Shannon, is it looks like on paper that the game is going to live up to the hype, which you're always worried about back in November. You know, mm-hmm. is one team maybe not going to be as good as you thought, or is, you know, maybe there'll be an injury or two that really affects the game. And But this game, at least on paper, looks like it's going to live, live up to the hype. Think about this. I, I can't think of any scenario uh, where Trace Jackson Davis and Zach Eady at the end of the year are not both going to be first-team All-Americans. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have two first-team All-Americans going at it, head-to-head in the low post, and then the other position that is basketball fans, we all love so much, the point guard position, you're going to have two of the best freshmen in the conference going head-to-head, and Braden Smith 
uh, in Jalen Hood Shafino. I mean, mm-hmm. who who would who wouldn't kill to watch that that matchup as well? And not only two of the best freshman point guards in the in the league, but in the country, quite frankly. Um, so then you throw in all the surrounding uh, players that that'll be a part of this uh, for both teams, the supporting cast, and uh, man, you just have a game that on paper it looks like it's going to live up to all the hype that it should. Obviously, Purdue being number one, uh, that adds to the intrigue. Uh, the fact that this is the Purdue-IU rivalry game. And, quite frankly, I'd throw this in as well, Shannon. These two teams play again in three weeks in Mackey <laughs> Arena. So, no matter what happens Saturday, you get another crack at these guys. Uh, if you lose the game, whether you're Purdue or IU, you can say, hey, so what? We get another crack at them in three weeks. So, uh, what, what a what a, what a game, uh, at least on paper, this thing is shaping up to be. All of the... All of the factors that one would think would lead into a big-time game, a game that the entire nation would want to watch, they all are there for this game. And, and I think it's going to live up to the hype. I'm almost certain it is. And, man, I, I can't wait to be a part of it on Saturday. Well, there's no question that the Boilers are the hunted now in the Big Ten. And you're right with February being a shortened month. The turnaround on some of these games, like you said, is going to be a couple of weeks and you're going to be – uh, back at it again now indiana you know having lost that game at maryland you know i think they're in a situation boy it would help them a, a long way if they could get a win saturday as it pertains to potential tournament bids um yeah I, yeah i agree with that shannon you're right it uh i think they're going to be in the tournament no matter what but man if you want a really high seed um getting the number one team in the country beating them would really go a long way to helping you get that yeah, exactly, because I think that's that all plays in the part, especially how good Purdue is playing uh, right now, and and Indiana needing a game to come back from against uh, a Maryland where they lost on the road. It would be a big matchup down in Bloomington this weekend, and we are looking forward to that here on uh, the thirteen eighty the fan because you'll three o'clock you'll have that call. And uh, we'll be listening to it, Rob. And I want to thank you for joining us here today on the Sports Rush. Great talking to you again, my friend. Yep, thank you, Shannon. Enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to Saturday. That should be a great atmosphere in Bloomington. That was Rob Blackman, the radio voice of the Purdue Boilermakers, as the Boilers will look to take on the Indiana Hoosiers this Saturday at 3 o'clock, a game that we will carry right here on 1380 The Fan But for right now, we're going to step aside one more time. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush here on Thursday afternoon. Maria's got a big one tonight for her Lady Dons against Youngstown State out at the Gates Sports Center at 7 p.m. She's trying to build a program, and I think she will do a fantastic job and get her players recruited and get her... uh, pieces of the puzzle in place yeah she's already uh, done a, a really good job so far and she's continuing to do a, a good job with the program so yeah certainly uh hoping the dons the lady dons can get the win tonight over the penguins at the gate center yeah and you know it's all about uh in that situation she's got to go out and find those girls that fit her program and it was a complete rebuild let's just be honest it's a complete yeah. rebuild for for the lady dons and sometimes that happens and you have to go out and uh, revamped your roster, and I believe Maria has that ability to do that. And now why I say that, I know Maria. We coached together when I was at Manchester. That's where she first got her start coaching basketball. So I'm a little biased in that arena. 
That's awesome. And <laughs> we certainly like uh, Mar- Mar- Coach Marcusano. She's great. Hey, uh, next weekend at the Allen County Memorial Coliseum, uh, the 9th through the 12th of this month, we have the Fort Wayne Boat Show oh, yeah. coming to town. And I actually have a four-pack. Another four-pack. Another four-pack, yeah. We're going to give away a four-pack of tickets to the Fort Wayne Boat Show. That's the February 9th through the 12th at the Allen County Memorial Coliseum. If you'd like to win, all you have to do is text the word CAPTAIN to 46862. That's Captain to 46862. We'll pick a winner in the next uh, 20 to 30 minutes, and you'll win a uh, four pack to the boat show coming up next weekend. Yeah, so. that's going to be a, f- that's a good, good uh, boat show, and a lot of things that are available out there besides just boats. But 46862, the word captain, another word that is a little easier in terms of. Uh, the discussion we had the other day about nautical, but we won't, we won't go back. There. No, really want to thank those uh, guests that came on the first hour. Jeremiah Johnson from the Pacers. He gave us a pretty good rundown of the Halliburton status for tonight, as well as a look at the Lakers Pacers game tonight, both 24 and 28. Really uh, ironic records for those two to come into Indianapolis, especially for the Lakers. And I, that's just from my opinion. It may not, you know, there might not be a lot of surprise to that. But for me, it does because of who they got. But anyway, but thanks for Jeremiah coming on. And then, of course, we just talked to Rob Blackman, the voice of the Purdue Boilermakers. Really enjoyed his conversation and insight to Purdue's win last night against the Nittany Lions, 80-60, to and setting up the re- the match, the big game, on Saturday at oh, 3 o'clock, right here on 1380 The Fan, as the Purdue Boilermakers travel to Bloomington, Indiana, to take on the Indiana Hoosiers at 3 o'clock right here on 1380 The Fan. Well, we wrap up this first hour. Good first hours, but stick right with us because the second hour, we're going to have Homestead Lady Spartans head girls basketball coach Rob Parker come on and talk a little bit about his Lady Spartans and their big win over Columbia City, as well as Eric Dute. Dukevich coming on and talking a little bit about boys and girls in this next hour. Stick right with us right here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM.